1: While you're listening, go to archpodnetcom slash members and support our efforts.
0: Let's get to the show. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network.
2: Hello and welcome to the Archaeotech Podcast, episode 186. I'm your host, Chris Webster. Paul is still trekking across the Middle East. Today, I bring on a guest to talk about field safety tech. Let's get to it. All right. Welcome to the show, everybody. So as I mentioned, Paul is still, you know, trekking around the Middle East as you're listening to this. I think he's supposed to be home, you know, soon. So he should be on the next episode. and We'll get a full debrief on how everything went over there and, you know, the the tech solutions that they used and and how that went. And as much as he can talk about, he was actually working for another company, so there might be some (laughs) proprietary stuff he can't talk about. But otherwise, we'll talk to Paul about that when he gets back. In the meantime, we have a guest who you guys Probably know uh, it's my <laughs> wife, and she works. Oh. <laughs> she works for Wild Note, and Wild Note often puts together articles and and helps clients and has these lunch and learn things and they, they talk about in various scenarios different technologies that people can use to do field different work. things in the field. Yeah. yeah, field work. So we decided to put together this episode to kind of spin that just a little bit, but talk about field technology items that you could use, but also kind of around the idea of, you know, safety sort of. Some of these things are kind of safety adjacent. Yeah, like
1: safety and comfort (laughs) a little bit, maybe. But hey, if you're
2: uncomfortable, you're probably not being safe. True. Very true. There you go. Anyway, Rachel Roden, welcome to the show. Hello. All right. So how can we use technology to create a safer work environment?
1: Yeah, that's the question. And it's really, really important because we have such great technology at our fingertips these days. And sometimes I wonder if everybody's doing everything they can to keep themselves and other people safe in the field. Yeah. And so we thought we would like put together a list of not only products that we think would be good. We haven't used all these, but we, you know, think they would be good in that scenario, but also just like different software you can use mm-hmm. and how, how like that intersection of technology and gear and software can be used together to make everybody right. safer in the field.
2: So, this isn't going to be a Wild Note commercial. No, if you're no. Waiting no. for that. No. I mean, we are going to mention a couple things, obviously, because right. you can use software like you mentioned mm-hmm. to do certain things. And one of the things that is on our list here, and, and we have done this, and, and, and you guys listening to this, if you're archaeologists or even if you work somewhere else, you probably created something like this anyway. But creating a a daily safety meeting, you yeah. Know, some people call it a tailgate safety meeting, whatever you want to call it. Just they like have a different daily names. safety check yeah. in or whatever. But yeah, but there's always like a daily thing in the morning where you gather everybody together while you're while you're fresh, you're you're getting ready to go out into the field, mm-hmm. and just to talk about the hazards of the day.
1: Yeah, and like I have to be completely honest and say that I've been not resistant to this in the past, but I definitely have been one of those people like standing around rolling my eyes, like, okay, let's talk about snake bites again. Yay. Yeah, yeah I hear you. But at the same time, I I want to get that attitude out of myself and also out of other people because you just have to keep talking about this stuff because if you don't talk about it, then that's the day you forget about it and then something does happen and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got a bad situation yeah. on your hands.
2: I think if you have... Something like Wild Note or whatever you're using, mm-hmm. and you create a daily safety meeting form, you can modify that for the project that you're on to include a lot of the common hazards. Like if you yeah. are working in a place with rattlesnakes and things like that, you know, uh, sharp rocks and falls and slip trips and falls and, mm-hmm. you know, all those sorts of hazards, you, you can discuss those with your team ahead of time, get those added to a drop down list, and then that way you have specific topics to talk about. You're just not like, hey, does anybody have a safety topic this morning? Yeah, literally
1: and, nobody's going to speak up in that scenario. Right. Like they just are not going to do yeah.
2: that. <laughs> and then one of the big reasons, like you mentioned, is just jamming it into your skull, right? Like yeah. even if you're sitting there just kind of like not really paying attention, you're zoned out. Maybe you had too good of a time the night before. <laughs> Maybe you're just like, yep. you know, who knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. But if you hear it every single day. Yeah. That time that your your buddy gets a snake bite in the ankle and you're way out in a remote area, a mile from the truck,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: but you maybe have a radio to get back to somebody, or maybe your cell phone works, maybe none of that works and you're still a mile from the truck. What do you do? And hopefully these morning safety discussions, some of that will have stuck in. Yeah. You know, and you and you have a a plan. You have an inkling of what you should do in this scenario.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And With Wild Note specifically, and I know that there's other apps that can do this too, you can like tailor the safety stuff to the environment that you're in. Mm -hmm. So in the summertime, you're going to want to be talking about heat exhaustion and how have all the different symptoms of it and what you do when you encounter it and, you know, what policies the company has in place, and maybe not policies, but what equipment the company has in place to help counteract that situation. And, you know, in the wintertime, it's going to be extreme cold, obviously, and then uh, various animals that you might encounter and all of that stuff. What about Heather on CRM Arc? She was talking about how she basically, like, Kind of rolled her car down a cliff a little bit. I mean, not quite rolled, but like slid down the cliff. Like, what do you do in that scenario? So, that all that stuff just you can have it tailored for your environment in a list. And then each project, you just you know, include the list that you think are important for that project. Mm-hmm. And then you can just talk about it every morning and then everybody's on the same page. I think it's really important. And for you, your day job is with clients that are 100% focused on safety with yeah. gun safe, Right. So yeah. like, is there anything you've learned from that, from them and these big, massive companies and what they're doing to keep their people safe using technology?
2: Well, I mean, the biggest thing they try to do is, again, hammer in being safe and talking about safety and and getting like safe work permits and mm-hmm. doing all these things and and for every single task that somebody does and again it might seem tedious to do these things but when you know crap hits the fan yeah it's, it's going to be in your brain what to do. Yeah. Right. And and that's why all this stuff does seem tedious. It's like buying insurance. Nobody wants to buy insurance.
3: Right. But you
2: need insurance that one time you need insurance. Yeah, totally. You know, and, and it's going to cost you if you don't. Well, in this case, it could cost you your, your life or, you know, something else. So,
1: And I suppose yeah. they probably have consequences for their employees if they don't follow the, the various safety regulations that the company yeah. has in place to well, keep most, everybody safe, right? I mean,
2: most companies have consequences. They should. Yeah. You should anyway. And, and that's and the consequences are not just like not having a tailgate safety meeting. I, I don't know yeah. too many smaller like archaeology companies that say, oh, you know, you're going to get in trouble if you don't do this. Yeah. But if you are working on a mine, there's at least several oh, mines true. in Nevada. They require you to fill out this little card and actually mm-hmm. turn them in because they want to see that you at least filled them out yeah. and then turn them in. Right. They can't prove that you actually did the meeting. But yep. the reason they do these things, they go through the expense of printing these cards out. Is so they know people are at least looking at them. So at least the person who, you know, filled out the card has been, you know,
3: mm-hmm. jammed
2: into their brain a little bit more. What's going on? And that's what all this safety stuff is about. It's about jamming it into your brain yep. at the very least a little bit. Yeah, so. Totally. All right. Well, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different things. We'll have a bunch of links in the show notes and we may not even get to everything. This was probably going to be a little bit shorter episode because I don't want to inundate you with just like facts and things.
1: Yeah. And also like products, like we're not trying to tell everybody to go out and buy all of these products that we're about to talk about. They're just like cool things that are advances in in the technology field that could help keep people safer. Maybe.
2: Yeah. Anything that, that takes your mind off of I guess the unnecessary things, but mm-hmm. they're not unnecessary. Like water's not unnecessary, but you don't want to be thinking about it all day. Yeah. You know, you just, anything that takes your mind off of that stuff and put your mind back on your boots on the ground job. Totally. You know, can help you out. So, and a lot of times, to be honest, that's things.
3: Yeah. You know, we've looked is. a
2: lot of, a lot of products and things that can help out with that. So sure. let's go ahead and take a short break uh, so we can just come back fresh on the other side and talk about working in the heat and working in the cold and all kinds of stuff back in a minute. <laughs> Welcome back to episode 186 of the Architect Podcast. And we've got Rachel Roden on from Wild Note. And we are talking about basically technology and things that can help you keep you safe or at least keep you safer in the mm-hmm. field. Yeah, so,
3: totally.
2: This first one working in the heat. So some of you guys may or may, or may not know, but we're married. We live <laughs> in a 36 foot RV yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've mentioned that many times on, on lots of shows, but we started this whole, you know, people do like weight loss programs and fitness programs oh, and stuff yeah. like that. Anyway, that's neither here nor there, but we did start one thing that was like challenged you to basically drink a gallon of water a day. Right. And I'm a stats person and I need to know that I am actually drinking a gallon of water and I I don't want to have to keep track of (laughs) like how many bottles bottles in my water bottle that I've drank right so I started looking around for a smart solution to that and this goes into field work as well and like tracking the water that you're drinking in the field now You can find these like smart bottles and things. They're not super cheap. The one we use is called Hydrate, H-I-D-R-A-T-E. And it actually has a little puck on the bottom. And again, this wouldn't work for field work at all in most cases, unless you can set it on something flat to kind of register itself. And you have to be able to fill it during the day. Yeah. So it's not a super good solution for, say, survey, but it might be a decent solution for excavation or, you know, other things. Monitoring. Yeah. Stuff where you can set your water bottle down and fill it, and and where you can fill it throughout the day, too. They have a 32-ounce. One and you should be drinking at least probably a hundred ounces on a hot day, if yeah. not one hundred and fifty to two hundred ounces. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone else, three to five liters, yeah. you know, give or take. So, anyway, the hydrate bottle. Basically, you can use a smartphone app, you can use your watch, whatever you want to basically track how much water you're drinking throughout the day. And then it gives you a nice little, we call it a party, a little light party (laughs) on the bottom of it when it...
1: When you hit your goal. When you hit your goal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's cool about that too is that you could change the goal every day if you wanted. So on days when you're in the field and you know, okay, it's 100 degrees today, I have got to drink at least three liters of water or more. You can set your goal to that and it'll it'll give you a little progress bar too so that you can look at it and be like, oh no, I haven't reached my my progress bar at the 11 a.m mark mm-hmm. i need to drink a little bit more here because once you get behind that mark you're just setting yourself up for possible dehydration later on in the day yeah. so that's what i think is really cool about it it's expensive i think these bottles were like 70 dollars each yeah. or something like that you might be able to catch it on sale on like amazon or whatever yeah, i've seen them
2: for like 50 to 60 yeah. yeah
1: but if you're if you're not sure that you're going to remember to drink, then it's a great idea because it'll remind you. And then if you're not sure that you're drinking enough, then it's good because it gives you that progress bar and you know how much you've actually drank during the day.
2: Right. And if you got a Camelback, a long time ago, back when I was doing a lot more heavy survey, if for all you Camelback users, I had a flow meter basically in my tube in my Camelback that would tell me how much water I had drank. And that's important because one of the big problems about a Camelback is that you don't know you're out of water until you're out of water. Yeah. And you don't know if like, you know, you're you're doing out and back transects to a road and the truck's not too far away. When you come on, like, let's say it's, we've done these where it's a mile out and a mile back. Mm-hmm. And then if you're starting your your two-mile out and back and you're mostly out of water, like let's say you've got a hundred ounce camelback like like a lot of people do, and it's sitting at eighty-five ounces you've drank, you probably ought to need to take a break and go fill up your camelback. Yeah. If you don't have the water with you, which you should, you should have like another, you know, small reservoir in there that you can fill your camelback with. But
3: mm-hmm.
2: if you gotta go back to the truck, then you gotta go back to the truck. But I had this flow meter thing and unfortunately I can't find it anywhere online mm-hmm. for sale. I don't think they sell it anymore. And I found another like flow meter thing for hydration reservoirs. It was as an Indiegogo campaign, but I can't actually find where to buy them, or, you know, they've got, like, sales inquiries through their thing, but anyway... Just note that these kinds of things do exist, yeah. apparently, but I can't find a good one right now.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so
2: having some sort of tracker for your for your hydration your reservoir bladder, yeah. yeah, for your bladder is kind of a cool idea.
1: I can't tell you the number of times that I was on a long track on one of those long survey yeah. transects. And you just all of a sudden like you hear the water start sloshing in your backpack. And like when you can hear the water sloshing in the bladder, it's like, oh, no, yeah. I'm yep. getting close to running out. So that's not good.
2: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
1: But there is an option a sort of secondary option. This may not be great for desert environments, but <laughs> if you are working in an area where there is water, not even running water, even stagnant water, honestly, it might be yeah, kind of gross. I
2: mean, it would be kind of gross.
1: But there are these these water bottles out there. They're so cool that they they have filtration systems in them. And you could even bring it with you empty so that you don't have the added weight. Although, why would you do that? You should just yeah. always fill it up with water. But but once it's empty, you can fill water from any source and and filter it. And we have a couple different options here that we found that can do this for you.
2: Yeah. There's the Camelback all clear water bottle. It's a 750 milliliter bottle with a UV based microbiological purification light. All you got to do is fill it and shake it up for like what, 60 seconds I think or so. I
1: think it's like 60 seconds. You shake yeah. it and then it says that the UV light purifies it. And I know UV is like yeah. the best way to purify water, right? So yeah. that should be totally drinkable after you do that. And then the other one we found, and we we haven't tried either of these options, but we did see the this one in the shop that we were just at, and they mm-hmm. look really cool. But it's the Grail GeoPress Water Purifier. Yeah. And this has a purifier cartridge in it. And you push this cartridge down and in eight seconds, it's just an eight second like push down. I'm sure there's some pressure on it when you push it down. Yeah. It removes all the bad stuff in the water and then the water is drinkable.
2: Right. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. And there's other options like that out there. I remember when I went backpacking, like there's the, the old school style, like pumping the water out. Yeah. But that it has to be running water in that scenario. And you're not always going to encounter actual running water like you might. It mm-hmm. might be more of a, a drinking hole kind of a scenario.
3: Yeah. Who
1: knows? In Nevada, you could come across like a cow pond, like a cow trough. That'd which be pretty gross. I know. It's so gross. But if you can purify the water and you're like potentially dying of dehydration, yeah. you know, like that. I, mean, I hear you. That is, I will take that option (laughs) if I'm worried that I'm going to be dehydrated and not make it back to the truck if I'm out of
2: Uh, water. I would almost rather just purify my own urine through my socks than than purify cow trough water. No way.
1: No way. Pretty gross. Come on. Pretty gross.
2: I mean, if I'm going to (laughs) die, if it's between drinking cow trough water and dying, I think peace out.
1: No (laughs) way. Peace out, guys. Okay. Don't take advice from you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So. No. All right. So. Obviously, water you know is yeah, important. Yeah, it's important. But what about working in the cold? Uh, first off, you still need water. You do but, still need uh, water.
1: And don't forget, yeah. it, that's where hydrate could come in yeah. into play again. It's because it'll tell you if you're not drinking enough. You might need less water, but you still
2: need to drink it. Yeah, with hydrate, back to that real quick, that reminds me. You can set... Your times that you want to make your goal. So you set your goal, oh, yeah, yeah, and then you set your day, so to speak. And if you set your day to be like a work day, say, let's say, like you said it for like seven a.m. to three thirty or something like that. I want to drink one hundred and fifteen ounces of water or something. Mm-hmm. Then it will. It basically has this little curve, and it will flash the bottle and alert you on your watch if you have one, your Apple Watch or whatever, or alert you on your phone, obviously, if you are not meeting your curve. Yeah. And that's really important, too, is to drink water steadily throughout the day, not just slam a bunch of it out.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah. But anyway, working in the cold, obviously, gloves. And we've got... Wild note on board here today, and <laughs> yeah. you need to be able to use your, you, your digital devices.
1: You do. I I mean, we have worked in some extreme cold, but I feel like it was back in the day when you weren't always on screens of some sort, whether it be yeah. your cell phone or a tablet or whatever. But today, these days, everybody's got some kind of yeah. screen that they're dealing with, even just a, a tremble, you know? Right. And you have to be able to use your fingers and... I have to say, it looks like the fingertip that will work on a tablet mm-hmm. glove yeah. technology has come a long way. That's why I included this in the list, because these North Face e-tip gloves, they look really good, and there are so many options, from kind of a lightweight, just keep your hands you know, generally warm, all the way up to, like, alpine weather, keep Mm -hmm. your hands warm, but still be able to use your cell phone or your tablet. So there's some really cool technology around that stuff out there. I'm sure North Face isn't the only one doing it, but these ones in particular looked really cool.
2: Yeah. And I would like to find again, I, I I think I have a set of gloves, but they're really kind of bulky, thick gloves. Uh And and what you really need is something that fits tight on the end of your fingertips. If you need to type. Yeah. Yeah. Now keep in mind that a lot of devices, I know Android and uh, iOS, most of those devices, because this is device specific, not necessarily app specific, but they will do pretty good voice, voice translation. Yeah. Is, if you're in a cold, windy environment, you don't want to take your gloves off or you want to wear thicker gloves and you just can't handle moving the, things on the screen, mm-hmm. you can type with voice and you can do it offline. Yeah. Right. So so that works in on most devices. But also you can use a stylus yeah. on pretty much anything. If you, you get a stylus, you can tap out, you know, so if you design your forms with minimal typing, then you can voice type the the few things that you have to speak out and then you can tap out the things mm-hmm. you need to with a stylus. So, but that is the problem with these e-tip gloves is they're usually just too bulky and it, yeah. they're okay for like if you tighten up your your index finger, they're okay for just like tapping on the screen, yeah. but they're crap for typing on yeah. the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So,
1: I think it's a little bit better with like the iPads and yeah. the bigger tablets because you have a bigger keyboard, so less opportunity to fat finger it, you know? (laughs) Well,
2: and one thing this reminds me of is, I mean, this was years ago, so I'm sure the technology's gotten better, but one of my solutions for cold weather tablet usage in Nevada, like eight, nine years ago, I had the really thin Under Armour, like base layer gloves, Mm -hmm. and then I had really thick mittens where the mitten would, uncover my fingers in Velcro oh, that's right. and I didn't, didn't even Velcro up magnetized to the back of my glove yeah. and I like the magnet versus the Velcro because Velcro just gets dirty the magnet always works that's but,
1: right that was a good system you had yeah
2: so when I needed to actually type I actually had the, the E-tip kind of gloves and uh-huh. they weren't super great but they were tight to my hand and they worked they worked pretty well yep. and that's why I'm saying they probably work even better now mm-hmm. and back in the day I remember you could find that conductive thread and you could mm-hmm. actually put a couple loops of conductive thread through your end fingertips of any glove
1: Yeah, if you have a pair you really like, if you have a pair you
2: really like, and then make them so they so they work. Mm -hmm. But anyway, but the main point
1: is, is when it's really cold, you gotta keep your hands warm. So you do not want to be taking your gloves on and off from a safety perspective, for sure, for sure. The other thing I found here, I'd never heard of this company before, but it's the Gobi Heat Company, and they make all these different heated clothing items, like accessories. There's a hat called the Crest Hat, and it's got heaters over your ears Mm -hmm. there's a sweatshirt where the the body part of it is all heated up I think there was a vest too although that might have been a different brand Mm -hmm. either way so cool that you can get this like battery powered material (laughs) to keep your body warm that did not exist when we were working in Ohio (laughs) in that horrible frigid cold where we were breaking through permafrost practically
2: (laughs) all we had were those stupid chemical heat things that just burn your hands yeah if you get them on your your skin like oh
1: yeah no this is like way advanced And some of you guys out there are probably like, oh, yeah, I heard of that already. But it was news to me. And I'm very excited about it for the next time we're in cold weather working
2: situations. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and the last thing before we end this segment here, once you get back into the hotel room and you need to work the next day, getting your boots and gloves dry if they've been in yeah. a wet environment or a cold environment can be pretty challenging and oh my god I remember working in Vermont and it was literally rain every single day Yeah, and you'd just be tipping your gross wet boots up onto the heater which means you just get gross wet boot smell, boot
1: smell yeah. into
2: the into the hotel room <laughs> or you're putting the newspaper in there and that's supposed yeah. to like wick away the moisture but then you've yeah, got it just never just,
1: works and then you're yeah. going to work the next day with wet boots right. you're setting yourself up for failure and this might tip over into the comfort side of things yeah. a little bit more than the Safety, although maybe not, though. Like, well, if you're no, close if you're... to freezing and your boots are cold, like that's no good.
2: Yeah, but if you're focusing on your comfort the whole time, you're not focusing on what you're doing. That,
1: that's true. Yeah, that's true. if you're like yeah. constantly
2: thinking, My boots are wet and I, I and my hate my life cold. and I've yeah. made poor life decisions, yeah, then yeah. by
1: archaeology, I can go yeah. find something else to do yeah. with my life. The next right. day,
2: you'll be working at the gap. Yeah, so, <laughs> anyway, uh, this dry guy boot glove dryers, but there's lots of different things out there. There is, but yeah. this
1: company in particular looks really cool. They really, really focus, they, they're they down into this dryers for boots thing and gloves too but it's it's primarily boots and it's a big stand so you need to have space in your hotel room to set it up but Mm -hmm. it's like it's a very quiet dryer and they say that your boots will be dry by the next morning if you put them on there there's also a portable one that you can plug into a car lighter thing Mm -hmm. so you could dry them like midday if you wanted you know at lunchtime if you're getting wet throughout the day so anyway really cool company take a look at it if you're in a scenario where you need to Get your boots dry.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. And on the other side, we'll come back and talk about communication and other battery tech and things like that. Back in a minute.
4: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.
2: Welcome back to the architect podcast, episode 186, segment three, and we are talking about yeah, communication, batteries, and, you know, all the things that keep you connected to not only your crew, but your devices.
1: Yeah, there's so much cool tech out in the world these days that you can use to keep yourself connected and also keep your devices from dying. Because if you have a yeah. dead device, like that's not going to help you much either. It doesn't so doesn't good. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there these days. And it's way better than it was when you and I were like heavy in the field like 10 <laughs> years ago. Yeah. There's just so much more now that you can do to keep yourself connected to the outside world.
2: Yeah. So the first thing we should talk about is battery packs. Yeah. So, I mean, way back in the day, I'm, and again, legit like seven, eight, nine years ago, which is back in the day, archaeology time <laughs> frame at least CRM time. And, time. and for
1: us, right? Yeah, 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 That's our back in the day. <laughs> right. That's
2: when batteries started to really come out. Yeah. And you know, like portable, rugged batteries. And for the longest time, I've had zero lemon batteries. And I, yeah. I actually started with these little bright yellowish green ones, which mm-hmm. I liked because if you like dropped it, you could see it. Easily, yeah. But they also had a little solar panel on the on the back of them, mm-hmm. and it was a ten thousand milliamp battery, which you could use to charge fully at least one cell phone, mm-hmm. uh, two maybe, depending on the size of its battery, and mm-hmm. and one tablet fully charged up. And we'll talk about solar panels in a minute, but those batteries have come way down. In fact, I've now got the thirty thousand milliamp zero eleven rugged batteries, which can charge four devices at one time. Yeah, and. You can just, like, sit there at break or something like that and charge everybody up. Yeah, totally. You know, because you want to keep your stuff charged in the morning, even if it looks like you have a full charge, because you don't want it to die while you're doing survey at 3 p.m.
1: Yeah, and if you're doing that chasing thing where, like, you let it drop to 20%, but you're still using it, like, you're just constantly chasing, getting a better charge on it, and it just doesn't seem to be as efficient. I might be making that up entirely. That's just how it feels, like, when the battery drops that low, you know? If
2: your screen is on, you're tracking with GPS and you're doing a lot of things continuously, then the battery is just going to be maintaining for you most of the time. Yeah. yeah. And then it's going to be heating up your device. And if you're using it in the sun that charging while you're doing that is is really not good for your device. So Mm -hmm. it's better if you can just, every time you stop and take a break, which you should be at least three times a day, two breaks in your lunch, just plug it in. Just plug it in. Yeah. Yeah. And try not to use it while you're doing that. You know know
1: what I would do when I was doing pedestrian surveys, so this is kind of specific to that, although I suppose shovel testing would kind of be the same thing, Mm -hmm. but we were using tablets in the field and that's another thing that you have to make sure you keep charged up throughout the day. Maybe not for communication so much, but just for getting your work done. And I would have one of those they lemon. Batteries in one pocket of my vest on the inside. Mm-hmm. I'd have a cord running through, you know, across the vest to the pocket on the other side, and that's yeah. where I would tuck the tablet um, or my phone or whatever I was using while I was walking. And that it kept it tucked away so that it was out of the sun and it just mm-hmm. kept it charged up. So that was that would be my recommendation, something yeah, the, like that.
2: The basic takeaway is try not to charge it while you're using it if you're in the heat. Yeah. If you're in a cold environment, then it's probably not going to be a big deal. Yeah, yeah, totally. But in the heat, anytime you've been charging your phone or tablet you know that there's a heat loss there it's well it's a law of conservation of energy that energy that's not going into the battery has to go somewhere and it goes as heat yep so that's just that's just the way batteries work yeah now i mentioned we talk about solar panels cuz some yeah. of these have solar charged solar panels on them there's solar chargers there's hand crank things we'll link to a few things in our mm-hmm. notes here but you just have to remember one thing about solar it is stupid slow it like is. don't rely on that to charge your battery yeah. up throughout the day if you've got the ability to put your whatever panel you have or your your battery pack that has a little solar panel on the on the back side of it. If you can strap that to the back side of your backpack, mm-hmm. not a part that's shaded by your hat. Yeah. Then You'll probably be okay. It'll trickle charge that throughout the day. But it's just, solar's just not like super efficient. And those are big batteries. And it's going to take a long time to solar charge those. But hey, if you've got a little bit of a trickle charge on it, it's better than nothing.
1: Yeah, definitely. I was thinking from an emergency perspective, right? Like if something really goes down in the field, you at least can use that solar charger portion of it to hopefully charge up whatever device you're using to yeah. reach the outside world if it has died. So it's more of like an emergency thing. You and I have never had real great luck with the batteries with solar panels on them, I don't mm-hmm. think. They just don't tend to, like you said, they don't charge very fast. And I remember having one that like barely even charged at all. You remember that little white one you had that would like fold up? Yeah. It like barely even worked, right? Yeah, it so, was yeah. yeah. But the one that we found, the Power Monkey Extreme, has great reviews online. It sounds like it's a really great solar charger, and you can charge it up ahead of time, mm-hmm. too, so you're not only relying on
2: the sun. And keep in mind, any solar panels, their maximum efficiency is achieved when they're A, clean, yep. B, not shaded, mm-hmm. and C, a 90-degree angle to the sun. Yep. So if it's, if it's anything other than a 90-degree angle, you're losing solar efficiency.
3: Exactly. If it's
2: dusty, you're losing solar efficiency. If yeah. a portion of your hat or if you strapped it down to your pack and the strap is going across the panel you're losing solar efficiency, Mm -hmm. and you're losing a lot. Like, they decrease from their maximum of probably 50% <laughs> of energy recovery down to, you know, 10%, 5%. I mean, it comes yep. down significantly. It does. So, it really does. Yeah.
1: We've learned that with the solar panels on our RV.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Ours yeah. are flat to the roof and we never get the 1800 watts we're going to get because, quite frankly, the sun is almost never directly overhead. Exactly. You where know, wherever yep. you're at. So. Yep. And so they get dusty.
1: I found one other really cool option for power in the field.
2: This thing scares the hell out of me.
1: It Does it really? <laughs> the MyFC power trek and it comes with a replaceable fuel cell cartridge that converts hydrogen gas into electricity
2: it just feels like ghostbusters to me it, like it, switch me on
1: <laughs> I <know>. and the <laughs> problem with it is you have to buy these these cartridges right yeah. and you have to you know if the cartridge runs out then you're out of luck you can't use it anymore i think it does maybe have a little solar panel on it too but it's like almost useless so yeah anyway that was kind of more for backpackers but i thought if you're on like a camping project or something and like power is really going to be a problem that could mm-hmm. be good for cloudy weather you know because cloudy weather happens and then you can't rely on the solar stuff either so it would be a good backup in that scenario.
2: And that was a good note you made too about power is like if you're going back to an office or a hotel room every day if you just don't forget to charge your stuff up and walk out with 100% on your batteries and your devices in the morning more than likely power is not going to be an issue for you you know unless you're really doing some some energy hungry stuff then you're going to be having an issue later in the day but if you're charging like we said you are to do
3: Mm -hmm. you
2: know whether it's in your pocket or at a break or something like that, you should be able to maintain enough of a charge Mm -hmm. to to get on it. One other note, I know some chargers have this, but also the Zero Lemons do as well. They usually have like a 1.0 and a 2.0 or something like that for charging efficiency. Mm -hmm. It just means the speed of the charge. And the reason they do that is some devices simply won't take the higher speed charge. It's bad for them, but all Mm -hmm. your phones and tablets will take the faster charge. So plug it into the port that has a bigger number on it, whatever your system is.
1: It'll drain your battery faster, but it'll also charge your device up faster. So, you
2: know. All right. So, talking about communication now and and keeping in touch, one of the cool things, and I saw this, first time I saw this was probably like seven, eight years ago, Mm -hmm. and they were in like a Kickstarter phase at that point, but the GoTenna system, basically, and they have a lot of different Levels now you can get basically, yeah. yeah, and the, I think
1: there's even like subscriptions and stuff that you can get right. too. So like, there's a lot to look at there.
2: But the basic Gotenna comes with two devices because it doesn't work with one. They right. talk to each other; they don't talk to anything else. Yep. The basic one comes with two devices. It's two hundred bucks, so basically hundred bucks a device. But you have to buy the first two together. Mm-hmm. After that, I think you might be able to buy one at a time. I don't know if you still have to buy. Them oh, in and pairs. just like
1: add them into your yeah. system. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you
2: need at least two to to for it to work. But yeah. essentially, what they do is they use satellites and they use sort of line of sight if it's if it's quicker which means you have to be able to see each other mm-hmm. or not see each other physically but be within you know whatever a, their a line, light whatever of that other.
1: device's line yeah. of sight is basically right, don't have like a yeah. mountain in
2: between you yeah, yeah. it'll work it won't work as good but yeah. either way it, it has a pretty good range four miles at least but mm-hmm. they've been tested up to like 26 miles in oh, optimal wow. conditions oh, yeah cool. and what it does is the Gotenna links to your smartphone or tablet through Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. And then through their app, you can use that to see where everybody else is mm-hmm. that has a Gotenna, mm-hmm. right? Because it's transmitting continuously their GPS location. And also you can send, they call it private chat, but it's basically text messages in mm-hmm. between each other. And I believe that's going through the satellites.
3: Okay. Yeah.
2: And it, it's either going through the satellites or it it probably prioritizes the mesh system first. Mm. To not, you know, because
1: these two devices are making this mesh system together, right? Well, they're linked to each other, and it it becomes a
2: mesh when you add a third one. Oh, I see. Okay. Because what mesh means is it's not like a hub and spoke deal where you've got a transmitter that's reaching out to different things. That's Uh what a satellite basically does. Yeah. But when you've got a mesh system, you could have one crew on one ridge line, another crew on another ridge line, and a third crew that the first crew can't talk to because they're too far away. Mm -hmm. But the first crew's message will relay through the second cruise onto the third oh, cruise. Okay, that's So really it kinda cool. like transmits, you know, around the different devices. Yeah, yeah. And, and uses all of those to, to come in. It looks like you can use as they build their network of P- Gotenna users, you can actually bounce that off of other of, Gotenna of users. Other users, yeah. And they don't I saw even that. know that's happening. Yeah. If you register your device on their website and and you say, I'm willing to be a relay, mm-hmm. you don't you know, it's not like you're
1: You're not gonna get a message from somebody you don't right. know, right? They're mm-hmm. not gonna
2: know where you're at either. Yeah, all that's yeah. encrypted. So yeah your devices have to be linked to each other, but your device can be used as a relay Mm -hmm. for somebody else. So...
1: As as far as like field practice goes, this is again something that might be a little bit better for backpackers because you could see like a bunch of backpackers mm-hmm. having these and then they're able to like use them to either talk to each other or relay messages, like you said. But for crews, we were thinking it would be really cool if each crew had had one of these things yeah. and then all of a sudden they have communication within each other. Mm-hmm. And maybe one of those crews has cell service. Maybe mm-hmm. one of them. So if something goes wrong with crew number one and crew number three has cell service, then they can get a message to two and then to three and then three can get the help that is needed for crew one or you know whatever the scenario is and the more crews you have out in a remote location the more chances you have of being able to reach the outside world which i think would be really cool it's kind of like an insurance policy a little bit because it may or may not work but i don't know for only 200 bucks it seems like it would be a good investment for a company to make just to Safe, you know.
2: I know. A neat thing is too; they've got like uh, obviously way more advanced systems where you can get like a like a pelican style box that charges them all oh. with a battery inside, oh, and then cool. they just kind of plug into this box at the end of the day. and mm-hmm. you just pass them out in the morning, mm-hmm. and it would actually be beneficial for every crew member to have one. It would, uh, yeah. You know, especially if you're on big survey and out in different areas mm-hmm. and you're you know you're spaced out apart, and it's just something happens. Um, yeah. we'll talk about a, an example of that here in a second. But also with some of those higher end setups, they have actually a screen like a little like a little device basically that shows your map and shows where people are mm-hmm. on the screen without using like your phone or tablet. Yep. But I remember a story when we first worked in Utah, there was a person on one of the crews who she went way off her line because oh, she didn't want to yeah. get her boots wet crossing a creek. Oh yeah, I remember and that. And then she like found a place to cross but then was completely lost Yeah. and ended up following the creek out to the road and was picked up by a trucker yeah, and taken right. to the nearest gas station.
3: That's
1: right. crew and had no the idea where she was. the rest of the crew was. had no idea because they had no cell service. Yeah, and I, yeah. I I guess they
2: didn't have radios either. So, yeah. yeah or the radios been,
1: weren't working because they weren't. Yeah. This is 15 years ago when radios maybe weren't as great as they are yeah, now. I mean,
2: radios are still pretty good,
1: though. Yeah, I just don't they know were, what was happening. So, yeah. She was a young field technician yeah. who
3: hadn't situation. quite
1: learned the ways of right. the field yet. But anyway.
2: <laughs> anyway, speaking of radios, yeah. uh, there are some more advanced radios out there.
1: There are. Yeah. There's these cool ones. The Motorola Talkabout MR350 RVP. Catchy. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, we've had Motorola radios yeah. like the entire we time do. we've worked in the field. Yeah, we still do, but they—they're just constantly advancing with technology. And the—the the ones, these ones specifically, they're flashlights. They can send an emergency alert. They can tell you the weather from NOAA, and they have a super long battery life and a really long range coverage. Yeah. So I can remember trying to use radios, and you're—you're you're just getting like that every three seconds you get a sound mm-hmm. and it's not words that you can understand because yeah. it's just cutting in and out so if those work as well as they say then that would be a great addition for safety purposes to a field crew and also just helping you do your work better too
3: yeah <laughs>
2: And then finally, one of the things that can actually help save battery power on your devices is to not have to look at the device all the time, especially if you're just navigating or Mm -hmm. you're you're getting notifications from the device, you can get that on a smartwatch. Yeah. You know, smartwatches have other functionalities, too. Like my Apple Watch... Will actually like if I have a hard hit or something like that, and I even if I like step really hard sometimes, or if it's just like the right way, mm-hmm. it'll come up with an emergency thing on the screen says, "Did you fall?" Yeah. And if you don't respond to this, we're calling nine one one. Yeah. So it's, it's a and obviously if you're not in nine one one range, then that's not going to work. But yeah, the nice thing about some of these is like mine's also connected to cell service, mm-hmm. so if my phone dies, my watch is going to last all day mm-hmm. regardless, and. I'll be able to make a call from there if I can get to a hilltop or, mm-hmm. you know, something. But it's it's still going to be connected. It's still going to be working.
1: Yep. So And back to the water consumption thing, too. Like, our hydrate bottles, yeah. they connect to our phones, and then our we get push notifications to our watch from our phone, which is using minimal battery from our phone, but it's also reminding you to take a drink of water, mm-hmm. too. And you can also track your water right there as well, so you can make sure that you're bringing in enough during the day. And I bet there's other apps that do stuff like that, too, that you could just connect right to your watch. If you don't have the hydrate bottle, but you still want to like track things
2: Yeah. yeah then there's a garmin fenix 6 pro solar edition what's that about
1: yeah well the garmin fenix 6 is, it's a Garmin watch, right? It's yeah. got the navigation built in, all the navigation that you would expect from a Garmin product but it's in a watch version, which yeah. is really neat and will help you with navigation and not getting lost and all that. But the Solar Edition also has this solar battery in it which when it's fully charged up, it gives you 14 days of power so that you don't need to charge it every night. Mm-hmm. Great for backpackers again, obviously, because you don't want to be charging your smartwatch every night while you're backpacking. But yeah, that I thought that was really cool. That way if you forget to charge something or if you're in a camping situation and you can't charge you know this should get you through the whole session and now if you're heavy maps using or tracking things or whatever that maybe that that battery life goes down with it but then you can just charge it up with the solar device too so anyway I thought all that was really cool The maps are, like, really slick on it, just from looking at the images. We're Apple users, so we haven't tried out the Garmin stuff, but I've heard such good things about Mm -hmm. these Garmin watches from a navigation perspective, and the maps are really great. They look just like a Garmin device, and, like... I mean, it's a small screen, yeah. obviously, but, you know, if everybody in the crew had one of these, like and you're going to previously recorded sites or something, then you can use that to get there. I, I just think that it's such a really cool, really
2: cool thing. Yeah. The one downside to the Garmin's and I haven't seen their full line, so maybe they have some smaller ones, but they always seem to be a little bit bulky.
1: They are. Yeah. They're getting better. The yeah. one that I saw was like white with gold trim, <laughs> oh which I thought God. was really cute. <laughs> Garmin, what are you doing? I love it. But no, they yeah. have multiple sizes, kind of like how the Apple Watch does. Does, right. and you choose your face size so they aren't as big and bulky as they used to be.
2: Okay. Yeah. Well, someday I won't be as big and bulky as I used to be. So,
1: <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Throwing shade on yourself today. I know,
2: right? <laughs> so, all right. Well, thanks for coming on to talk about field safety yeah, with us. Yeah, totally. And if you want to check out uh, Wild Note, of course, uh, we'll have the link in the show notes, mm-hmm. wildnoteapp.com. Mm-hmm. And if you want to check out anything else that we talked about, those links will also be in the show notes. And I'm interested to hear what kind of interesting tech you guys use to make yourself safer and more efficient in the field, hit yeah. us up on our Slack channel for members. It's pretty active on the Archaeo Tech channel over there. We've got a few people that like to go back and forth on things, and I'm interested in our, in our one uh, our one member from Flanders uh, <laughs> to find out what he uses in the uh, forests and things of, of that area. Uh-huh. So.
1: And if you guys didn't know, Chris and I do the archaeology show together. So if you've enjoyed listening to me give him crap throughout this whole podcast, then just go listen to that show and you can hear me do that to him every single week. It's amazing. Plus
2: way more pop culture references.
1: (laughs) Way more pop culture references. Very true. (laughs) All right. Well,
2: thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Paul should be back on the next episode.
1: Bye.
4: Thanks for listening to the architect podcast. Links to items mentioned on the show are in the show notes at www.archpodnet.com slash Contact us at Chris at Archaeology podcast Network.com and Paul at lugal.com Support the show by becoming a member at arcpodnet.com members. The music is a song called Off-Road and is licensed free from Apple. Thanks for listening.
2: This is Chris Webster, founder of the APN and one of the chief editors. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. If you want to keep the conversation going and support us along the way, go to arcpodnet.com slash members. That's arcpodnet.com slash members. And thanks for listening.
4: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.